Netaporte presents. Pieces of Me, My Life in Seven Garments is a podcast series brought to you by Porter. I'm Editor-in-Chief Sarah Bailey. Pieces of Me is about celebrating women and the power of fashion. In each episode, a different incredible woman takes us behind the seams of her extraordinary life and shares seven key pieces that have shaped her, past, present and future. Filmmaker and photographer Sam Taylor Johnson rose to prominence as one of the rule-breaking YBAs of the 1990s Brit art scene. She graduated from Goldsmiths in the early 90s with a degree in sculpture. However, it wasn't as a sculptor that Sam made her name, but a photographer, as she quickly realised that behind the lens was where she was most comfortable. She went on to capture the public imagination with her one-hour video portrait, commissioned by the National Portrait Gallery, of David Beckham sleeping, which explored masculinity, vulnerability and fame itself. Sam is a two-times cancer survivor, and there is a biographical narrative in her work about the body and identity, loss and hope, sometimes subtle, sometimes overt, but always witty, thoughtful and moving. In 2008, she made a bold career move, directing her debut feature film Nowhere Boy about the young John Lennon, starring Aaron Johnson, with whom she was to fall in love and marry. And though today, a mother of four and a Hollywood director, she professes to spend much of her life in sneakers. The symbolism and drama of fashion and clothes remain a constant in her work. We spoke to her about the Eddie Slimane suit she wore in her most famous self-portrait with a taxidermy hair and a pair of nearly nude Prada knickers. My name is Sam Taylor-Johnson and these are the pieces of me. There was an outfit that I loved that was very much my art school days and probably post-art school days for a while, which were jeans that were held together by threads and uh, I used to patch together with fabric I'd get from Brixton Market with a black t-shirt and stripy socks, monkey boots. That was a staple. And then a leather jacket that belonged to and was I kind of took from my then boyfriend, Jake Chapman, who's an artist. And it had a painting on the back of it of conflict who were a punk band back then that I used to like and yeah it was very much my sort of punk art student look which I didn't look as at as a look then that was just who I was that was a projection of me that jacket was such a symbol of a very specific time in my life I often wonder where it is and and wonder who's got it because it's such a good one. But I don't think I'd want it now, because not only was it quite symbolic of that time, I don't know how truly happy I was and whether I'd sort of want the shroud of that era with me still. That was time of, I think I was surviving on five pounds a week, and it was very clear to me quite quickly that I had to kind of survive, really, on instincts and work that I could get. I lived, you know, in a Peabody estate and and I was out way too much, drinking way too much. And in hindsight, an amazing time. But at the time, 
I know it was very difficult to, you know, I was really struggling with how to present myself as an artist and who was I and how was I to determine what I was going to do. But knowing that my only choice was to be an artist, that's all I wanted. And someone at my final show at Goldsmiths, where I graduated from, said to me, don't get a good job because you'll give up your dream. And I remember I kept saying that, don't get a good job because you'll give up your dream. So I would do all these really shit jobs, which was rough. But I, it was there was a, there was an adrenaline fueled excitement about living in London post art school, and everyone sort of being out and about, and there being a community where there there was there was an energy. Everyone around me being super creative, and a lot of people being super successful early on, having come out of college with. Damien Hurst and Gary Hume and Tracy Emin and Chapman Brothers and, you know, that that being a sort of thriving world as well as, you know, McQueen and Stella and that being a thriving world as well as music. And so it, it was, it was an exciting time. The ripped jeans and leather jacket of Sam's art student years were replaced with a different uniform as she grew in confidence as a professional artist. And there is one key piece that she always wears around her neck. Really, it's the Leica camera. It is a big part of my daily uniform. I have it with me all the time. I had my first camera, the excitement of that camera, and didn't study photography at art school. I studied sculpture. But as soon as I finished art school, I knew that sculpture wasn't what I wanted to do. Sculpture for me at Goldsmiths was a way of hiding behind something whilst the whole thing to do with this, you know, the beginnings of Freeze, the YBA movement, you know, as it, as it was called, and all of that. Sculpture was a way for me to hide and watch because I didn't feel part of it at the time. I'd, I'd come from East London to something that felt very refined and different to the experience of the art school I was at before. Where I was at art school before, I was very much like a shipbuilder's yard. It was very macho environment. And then I went to this very refined art school where concepts were discussed and and forums about certain art movements were uh, were played out. And as soon as I finished art school, I was I wanted to pick up a camera. I felt like I I was a photographer without knowing or particularly understanding then quite where I was going to go with it. Sam had found her place behind the lens, but always pushing her artistic boundaries, she placed herself in front of the camera. In 2002, she began documenting her experiences and recovery from colon and then breast cancer to check in with herself, as she puts it. For this is is for a standalone portrait that I did called Self-Portrait trait in a single breasted suit with hair. I don't have that suit anymore, which was actually, actually, I think I borrowed it. It was a Hedy Slimane Dior suit because I wanted a real good sort of man, woman suit. Um, but yeah, I had to give it back. But with the whole series, it it was about new empowerment and, and it was coming out of chemotherapy. I'd been very sick and it was about how as an artist, do I address this with myself? 
And I've addressed it with with myself, kind of heavily coded through all my work since. But this was probably the one piece where I really felt like I was telling the tale to myself. And I had long hair and I'd had, I cut it all off. It had gone very thin. So this was me with new short hair. With hair, obviously, there's the taxidermy hair and the single-breasted suit. And obviously, underneath that, it was very much about having had a mastectomy, having been through chemotherapy. But but always, I guess, I try, I don't try, I generally deal with most adversity with humour. It's the way I can get through it. And I've noticed it helps other people get through it with me. Um, so I think this is probably, for me, symbolically, the most powerful image of going through cancer and a really fucking shit situation. It's such a multifaceted discussion in terms of feelings because, you know, to lose something as physical as your breast, which it represents so much, you know, sexuality as as well as who we are as women, as well as mothers. You know, I had my daughter and then I had three more after that and, and proudly um, breastfed with one breast. Um, and I remember thinking, wow, that that was a big deal. Of course it's a big deal. But at the same time, a midwife said, well, that's what women with twins do. So uh, you can do it. So that was very encouraging. But then at the same time, you know, so then, you know, clothes become very much about how do I balance my unbalanced physical body too? You know, there's that aspect of it. Of course, there's the aspect of how you present yourself physically as a as a woman, you know, in any clothes which are sort of not turtlenecks and how you present yourself naked to yourself, to your husband. And, but, you know, so there's so many things that you have to... There's a, there's a lot to contend with, to battle with and to be grateful for and not to forget that being really the most important aspect is to really understand physically, emotionally, mentally what you've been through and taken to task on. The early 90s was a period of extraordinary creativity in London as the boundary-pushing stars of fashion, art, music came to define Cool Britannia. One of the most inventive and restless talents of that era was fashion designer Alexander McQueen, a close friend of Sam's. I have so many outstanding memories of McQueen. I mean, the most outstanding one was his laugh. I mean, his laugh was so infectious. It was such a specific laugh and it was so loud and so carefree and those are the happiest memories of bent double laughing about stupid stuff. And so yeah, those those are the most gorgeous memories and I still have every single McQueen piece that I've had from when Lee gave me things in the past. I have an incredible archive of his things which I've kept personally and through to this dress was so beautifully crafted. I just remember him sort of saying, turn around, be proud, look in the camera, you know, sort of directing how I stood and to show off the dress as much as our friendship and love for each other. And and I don't exactly remember what event we were at, but this was quite early on, I think, in our days together. And 
the structure of it is really, it's, it's practically backless. But if you saw the front, you know, it was so beautifully detailed and tailored and fitted. It was black and silver and woven fabric, but sort of tailored so that the woven, there's like a sort of checkered or stripe that goes through it that crisscrossed over the front around the brass of area. He, he, he gave it to me and was just sort of, you know, I really love this dress. I really love this one. Um, so sort of proud of the creation and, and me proud of the fact that he wanted me in it. Fashion and clothes take on so many meanings, as they are quite literally what we use to clothe our naked selves. For Sam, her experience as a cancer survivor makes that relationship with the body all the more poignant. Her next choice tells us so much about her take on survival, sexuality and humour. Another self-portrait, the escape artist. This time she is pictured suspended upside down in the air in her underwear, seemingly held aloft by two simple balloons. So this piece of work came off the back of a series which I was doing and and have just started to redo right now, suspended self-portraits. And there was... The early self-portraits that I had done in this series were very light and and very much about a newfound freedom post-illness. And I had a new studio and and it was sort of light and airy and lots of sort of joy to it. And I think this series, it was just in a very dense, dark place emotionally because, you know, the lightness of the freedom of coming out of illness is an incredible euphoric feeling, but, you know, there's always, the darkness always looms. And this was very much about me battling with that, battling with that dark, and it was, it's called The Escape Artist. And it's literally like, get me out of here, get me out of this dark headspace, get me out of this thought process, get me out of the situation I'm in, in many respects in my life. And this was literally as the title um, suggests, The Escape Artist. And, and I chose it because it's dealing with emotional dark issues that I was struggling with, but with humour, you know. So I've got helium balloons trying to lift me out of this dark emotional mental state that I was in. And then I wanted to focus on the Prada knickers because they're Prada knickers. I mean, who gets to have Prada knickers? They're very comfy knickers. <laughs> but they're also silk and they're also, you know, fine knitted silk. They're a good pink. They're like a sort of dirty, dusky pink. You know, occupying that space as not naked, not far from naked, but owning it and also being able to physically challenge. this. To do this series is quite physically challenging. I'm basically hanging by rope. So I have rope around my ankles, around my hips, and all of that disappears in the post-production process. So even though it's intensely uncomfortable to do, it looks effortless. But it's also about renegotiating and re-owning my, my sense of self in a way, and, and my sense of sexuality too, because after you've been through something, like breast cancer, cancer in any form, it's a renegotiation with what your body can do, what it can be and what it represents. And uh, and so this series, you know, really for me steadily over time addresses where I am with that with myself. 
it's always hard for me to decide what I'm going to wear in these self-portrait photographs. I find it really difficult. And so what I try to do is to almost not overthink it. But those Prada knickers were so spectacular and so expensive and so special and so sort of naked and nude that they fitted with the idea of the picture too that those were those were a straightforward decision they seemed like the perfect thing like I might be wearing Prada knickers but I'm still trying to escape a, a deeply dark time emotionally for me I don't think I've ever been this articulate about it, actually. <laughs> it's, it's obviously I have to talk, start with the clothes, and then that brings me into a good articulate place. At eight months pregnant, teetering on a pair of stiletto heels, Sam collects her OBE from Prince Charles in 2015. She asks Sarah Burton, Alexander McQueen's successor, to make the perfect dress. The outfit was regal, uncompromising in its sheer glamour and made to measure several times over. This piece is something I'm extremely proud to have and, and it really represents a, a moment in my life that I could never have predicted having gotten to a point where I would stand in front of Prince Charles at Buckingham Palace receiving an OBE for my services to the arts. That was a moment I will never forget. I asked Sarah Burton at McQueen whether she would make the dress for me to go to the palace and receive my OBE. And she graciously and kindly said yes. And what an undertaking, because she had to measure me every week and adjust the dress every week. And obviously, as I grew, and she was so patient with it, I'd go in and, and you know, two inches had to be created somewhere. <laughs> and it was that thing of I wanted to go in to Buckingham Palace to this moment feeling as good as I could possibly look eight months pregnant. The fact that I felt confident eight months pregnant in a tight dress walking up to Prince Charles to receive my OB. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> Who was she? Who's that girl? The dress is like a midnight blue velvet, silk velvet, and she crafted it with her tailors so it fitted like a glove so that when I put it on I honestly felt incredible and then that morning the person who had I'd hired to come and do my hair didn't turn up and then everything sort of fell to like that panic of just but I needed something you know and I overstressed and I thought fuck it I'm in the most incredible dress who cares what my hair looks like and I just remember the Feeling so proud in that moment, in six-inch heels, eight months pregnant, beaming with a big smile and happy, discussing with Prince Charles whether I was going to give birth then and there because I was so nervous and stressed. Another designer friend who Sam is able to call upon for a very important fashion moment is Stella McCartney. It was a rough experience making Fifty Shades of Grey. I had an intense time. It was two years of my life where it was conflict all along the way. And, you know, I had to learn the the art of how to sidestep all of that and how to deal with it when I had to and how to be creative under the circumstances. And so it was a, a rough journey, but at the same time, hindsight being a, a wonderful thing, I definitely learned a lot. Would I want to volunteer to do it again and learn those same lessons? No. But this moment of 
in Berlin and being able to just feel accomplished, I'd mainly because I'd finished it and and I was there and it was about to come out was super surreal. And the fact that I can be in a situation where I can call upon people to let me wear their clothes, I, I always just see as a, as as something I'm so lucky to have uh, sort of gained in my life. I don't think I've ever really found it daunting. I've only found it fueled by excitement. Having known Stella McCartney for a long time and and I said, you know, I'd love to wear one of your dresses and she came and fitted it for me because of having had breast cancer, I had to have like a pretty good support system at the front of the dress built in in order to have it backless. Mainly because, properly go there, is that on the left side was a full mastectomy, on the right side I've breastfed four kids. It's, you know, there's a discrepancy and she was balancing out for me. The dress was amazing, but it was quite a heavy crepe, but it was just... It was just so beautiful to put on. It just fitted so well. And I felt pretty empowered, spectacular. I'd achieved something. I'd finished something. I never had to talk about it again. I never had to deal with it. I felt like this was a moment where I could just let go of, of the, the journey of it and enjoy the success of it. Today, as a hard-working Hollywood director, artist and mother of four, comfort is the key consideration in Sam's wardrobe. And this is not just about practicality. It's a statement of empowerment. I mean, the thing is, in living in Los Angeles, I am in trackies every day. It is the truth. And when some of my my more stylish European friends come to visit, they're like, what is going on? Can you just get out of those? <laughs> um, but, you know, it's healthy living. <laughs> you want to keep moving. <laughs> Nike's a, a quite a big part of my life, but not because I'm wearing Air Force Ones now, but also because I go hiking most mornings with my dogs. And that for me is a sort of very meditative process, a process to keep my sanity. And essentially, you know, for good mental and physical health, I associate with with those. I think they're Nike Airs. I've gone through my f- phase of heels making me feel powerful, but now they make me feel weak. <laughs> Heels give me weakness. (laughs) I tend to now wear trainers, sneakers, Nikes with suits. When I'm going out to anything, I generally try to to wear them so that I feel strong and empowered by the fact I'm not tottering on my balls of my feet. Obviously, sometimes you have to, but yeah, they tend to make me feel like I'm I'm empowered because I can stand (laughs) for a long time. And especially, you know, making movies... You know, sometimes 14, 16, 18 hour long days where, yeah, you've you've got to really trust what you put on in the morning is still going to hold you up by the end of the day. And it's it's either something like these Nikes or a good pair of like strong boots. I just loved listening to Sam reminisce about the 90s London scene, her memories of McQueen, And it's just so fascinating to hear her talk about her self-portraits and the part clothing played in those images. And of course, her very candid thoughts about her identity as a cancer survivor. She is so inspiring and humble and funny too. Sam Taylor-Johnson, thank you for sharing your pieces of me. 
Head to netaporte slash porterpodcasts slash pieces of me to view the images Sam discussed today and to listen to previous episodes. Pieces of Me was brought to you by Porter and Chalk and Blade, presented by Sarah Bailey and produced by Laura Hyde. The executive producer was Ruth Barnes. It's like Desert Island Discs for clothes. Ha, 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 ha.